the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today's Gospel takes place in the middle of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. The march in Jerusalem had just come over the Mount of Olives and was heading into the city when Jesus stopped uh, to weep over the city. He knew that as he entered in, the city was going to reject him and kill him. And he also knew that because Israel was about to reject her Messiah, the judgment would come upon the nation in a very extreme way within a generation. And so he paused to weep over the city. And this weeping is not just a couple of tears, you know, dabbed with a handkerchief. He, he, he weeps in the way a Middle Eastern person weeps. This is a loud warning and lamentation over uh, what's going to happen to his people because of their, of their actions. There's an Old Testament backdrop to this story. The prophet Ezekiel, in chapters 8 to 11 of, of his book, describes how the glory of God departed from the Old Testament temple. Ezekiel lived about 600 B.C., just before the Babylonians destroyed the first temple in 586 B.C. Ezekiel was one of the exiled Babylonians, took from Jerusalem over to Babylon, which is modern Iraq. Uh, so the Jewish community lived there for a while before the temple was destroyed. In chapters 8 to 11 of Ezekiel, it's described how God took Ezekiel in a vision, transported him, as it were, from Babylon over to Jerusalem. And God gave Ezekiel a tour of the temple. Room by room, he showed Ezekiel all of the idolatry that was actually happening within the Jerusalem temple. And after he got done with his tour, Ezekiel saw the glory of God leave. He saw the cherubim rise up because God dwells between the cherubim. That's the imagery of our seeing last. Those four creatures are, yes, they represent the gospel writers. That's the secondary application. They are the cherubim. God dwells between the cherubim. One of the images of that makes clear is therefore our Lord is God. God. So in this image of Ezekiel, the cherubim, they rise up with the presence and glory of God in the midst of them, and they leave the holy holes. God's presence departs from the Jerusalem temple because of all the idolatries happening in there. It pauses at the threshold of the temple, and then as it leaves the city, uh, God makes one final stop, and that stops on the Mount of Olives. And he doesn't say in Ezekiel that this happened, one can imagine then God wept over the city as well, because this leaving of God, God's glory departing from the temple left the temple and the city open to the judgment that was coming the Babylonians. So when Jesus comes into the city over the Mount of Olives, this marks the return of the glory of God from Israel to the temple. And we notice in um, our gospel story that at the end of the Palm Sunday procession, the first thing Jesus does is go to the temple. To, to quote, cleanse it, but it's not really cleansing because it doesn't get cleansed. That's marking it for judgment. Um, so in Ezekiel, God leaves, the glory of God left, and from that time, even though the temple is rebuilt, there's no 
there's no indication that the glory of God ever returned to the temple in that way, though there was a temple there. In effect, when Solomon built the temple and dedicated the temple and blessed it, God's glory came, the cloud descended, and God was in the Holy of Holies from that time until 586 B.C. From that time on, there's no indication of that. There's no event, no description of how the glory ever came back. It left, and there it was. A lot of the whole discussion of the Ark of the Covenant, the lost Ark, is caught up in that. Where did the Ark go? It never came back. So when Jesus comes in, here's the glory of God coming back, as John said. He beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And Jesus coming in sets in motion a parallel event, just as the departure of God's glory in Ezekiel <coughs> prepared the way for the judgment that came on the city and temple in 586 BC. So the rejection of Jesus by the people led to the judgment and destruction of the temple in AD 70, when the Roman legions descended upon the city of Jerusalem and leveled the city and the temple. As the gospel says, they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you didn't know the time of your visitation. This is a missing piece in a lot of people's understanding of the New Testament. It disabuses us of the notion that God is different in the Old Testament than he is in the New Testament. To be sure, Jesus brings out implications of God's love in new ways. But he also brings the prophetic message of the Old Testament to its fruition. He fulfills the prophetic message in, in judgment. He preaches to Israel, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and just as the Old Testament when the nation does not, there's an act of judgment carried out by a pagan nation that, that acts on God's behalf. <coughs> Now, the point of judgment is not simply to uh, scare us, but it does bring into focus the truth that God desires a new relationship with us. And when he speaks to us, we have to hear and respond. And when God's people don't respond to God's word, there are consequences to this. <clears throat> and this is relational, not merely judicial. God had a covenant relationship with Israel. He chose them. And, but the choice of Israel demanded of Israel a devoted response. You shall have no other gods before me. In the New Testament, this relationship is heightened or made clearer as a marriage relationship. Christ, the bride and groom, is married to his church, the bride. And he demands faithful. You know, how many husbands out there are okay sharing their wives with other lovers? How many wives are okay sharing their husbands? God is not okay with it. He demands devotion. When there's habitual unfaithfulness, that covenant relationship over time, eventually that relationship is severed. That's what judgment is in 586 B.C. and finally in 87. Visual unfaithfulness leading to the severing of the relationship. This highlights a, a what we call a paradox 
between what Martin Dortmund would call sucker and demand. On the one hand, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. On the other hand, he who does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. God desires relationship with us, and he's patient with us in our life, very gracious as we grow in faith, we stumble and fall, he's patient with us in our growth, but he ultimately demands all of us, and those implications play out in the context of Christian life. <clears throat> and it's also important, I think, to understand that when we talk about God's judgment, it's not just God arbitrarily saying, okay, I'm mad, I'm going to nail you, but that it's an organic consequence of unfaithfulness. When we put our trust in Christ by living this daily life of prayer where we pray to Him, live in relationship with Him, and when we obey the commandments of God and are faithful in our daily lives, God's Spirit is with us. And God's Spirit protects us and provides for us. And we will face temptation and testing in Christ. As we live in God's presence, we're protected. God gives us the grace we need. He stumbles, He picks us up. He gives us the grace we need to resist. When we become habitually unfaithful, we abandon the life of prayer in which we ask God to be with us. We become disobedient in our behavior the presence of the Spirit begins to leave us, just like the Spirit left the Old Testament temple, and we become vulnerable. The spiritual battle is a real thing. The world, the flesh, and the devil are real enemies. We can only conquer them with the grace that comes to us from God. And therefore, when we become unfaithful and move away from God and and cause God to move away from us, we fall into judgment. That is, we're open to these other adversaries doing us harm because we've given up the protection that comes from God, just as Israel was vulnerable when she abandoned God and his protection. There's a Eucharistic parallel in the story, the Palm Sunday entry into Jerusalem during that entry, the crowds saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that became, for the church, a liturgical song as well. In the Eucharist, Christ comes to New Jerusalem, to his people now, just as he came to Old Jerusalem on Sunday. He comes to New Jerusalem both to save and to judge. He who eats my body and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. If we receive him, we receive his life. But also, he who eats and drinks unworthily, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So we have to come with an intention to enter into a real relationship. Can't presume upon 
In the first century, when the Romans came upon Jerusalem, before they invaded, they besieged the city, they starved it out, and eventually leveled it. The first Christian community was warned by prophets to leave. And so when the Romans came, the Christians, those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, were not there. They were saved from the judgment that came on Jerusalem. Jesus is coming again in glory to judge the world, to judge the living and the dead. And, and what it means to be saved in its essence is through faith in Jesus Christ, we are saved from the judgment that is coming on the world. As Jesus said in John's Gospel, he who hears my voice and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. And this is, therefore, for us an exhortation receive Christ as he comes to us, to receive Christ as he comes to New Jerusalem with genuine repentance and sincere faith, as we leave the altar to, to go into the world, to live new lives, to serve in new ways, to use our gifts in service, to do the good works he's prepared for us to walk in. The Psalm 95 reminds us Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. As we receive Christ, as Christ comes to us, we have to make sure that, unlike first century Israel, we understand the things that make for genuine peace. That we 